What's up, guys? Lucas Burnley here with my co-host, TJ Schwartz. You are listening to the Edge and Flow podcast after a little bit of a manic hiatus due to travel and hunting and shows and life. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, How you doing, TJ? I'm doing good. I we got I got to apologize because I I would normally think we'd want to give you a heads up that we had a, a gap or a break coming, and I would I would normally think to do that, but then we kind of got into the mix of <laughs> a season of just a lot of things happening that kind of actually physically removed us from the ability to record because one of us wouldn't be at our home shop, which is where our setup is. So yeah, this um, has been this has been a little bit of a stretch, but super excited to be back and. We've got we've got a topic today that you and I spent a whole bunch of time kind of digging into when we were at Blade Show, um, which I think even though you and I haven't talked a whole lot over the last couple of weeks, I think both of us have been kind of chewing on this. Mm-hmm. The concept is the process is the product, right? And this is something that you brought up while we were walking around Blade Show. Um, do you want to kind of just dig into it and give like a brief overview? Yeah. So the, uh, the, the process is the product is the phrase that, that I kind of came up with after a fashion. It's something that I think that's kind of guided me for years now, but I, I couldn't figure out how to describe it, but it was, I had a sense of like what I was trying to do, but not a good phrasing for what that, what that goal was, but the product or the process is the product. What that means is the it's easy to look at a knife or a watch or a, you know, anything, a hat, a shirt and say, that's the product. Um, that's what I'm interested in. And that's what I'm trying to sell. But I think it's functional and beneficial to think about the process, which is used to make these products, um, is actually the product. And the thing that you're selling, be it a knife or whatever, is kind of a, extension of the process so it's in a sense when someone buys something from you they're buying a piece of your process and what that is 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 a little bit less relevant than the process itself um and it kind of at first glance sounds almost just like a semantic argument like why does that actually make any difference you know functionally but because it has made such a difference for me I, i really hope that we can explain like what that what that changes in terms of your approach when you start to look at the process as the product. And so right out the gate, the first example um, that I would, that I, when I first realized this and it clicked, but I again, didn't have the phrasing for it was if you've seen, I did a folding comb sometime back. um, And and the genesis of that was kind of interesting because basically I was in the knife industry already. I was designing knives for companies and I made a few knives and I just didn't have like I could tell immediately the way I was making knives out of drill press and a grinder that I wasn't going to make a real, a real business with the tools that I had without doing something a little bit different. And I kind of stalled on making knives uh, because I, I didn't own a, a robust enough process in making knives for it to be a functional business model. Right. And your um, head, your head is so firmly kind of in production scalable processes and growth that I think that one, one, um, explanation of this concept right out of the gate is that this relates primarily to the idea of business. Yeah. Like in, in this concept, right? Like, sure. You can look at any, any product 
not care about the process that brought that to market. Mm-hmm. But if you, if you are looking at your own business as the end product, that's where I think this concept mm-hmm. really comes yeah. into play. It's, it's a business strategy. Is Total is. strategy. Yeah. Okay. And so the, the comb, what happened there is I was living in an apartment. I had my grinder in an, in another shop that I was like kind of borrowing space from uh, my, my knife making equipment. And I realized I was like, okay, I want to make a product. What can I make? And it st- and it be a real business venture right now. It's not knives because I don't I don't own a CNC. I don't really have the resources to do that. I don't have the ability to do a bevel efficiently and effectively. And I thought, okay, well, my what processes do I have available to me? And that was my dad's a leather worker. He has a hydraulic clicker press which can cut leather really fast, like any shape of leather. And you know, you order the clicker die, it's go time on whatever shape. And so I'm like, well, I've got that. I don't know what that product is alone. It's hard to say, but I also know a guy that in Boise who has a fiber laser that's, you know, $700,000 insane fiber laser, super inexpensive, inexpensive, affordable cutting. And there was that. And then what I didn't have was like a way to do the blades of a knife, but I was like, well, a comb eliminates the, the features of a knife that are the parts that I don't have the ability to do right now effectively. And so what it was, was really is me looking at the processes that I have access to and then thinking, what is that product? What is, what is the product that is resultant of those processes that I already have? And so I was able to immediately make like hundreds and I sold thousands of combs over a period of time that ended up being like a huge percentage of my ability to just live at the time. Like it was the biggest part of my business for a while. And it only occurred that way because, like I said, I took the processes that were in front of me that were efficient and that I had control over and figured out what product those processes were. Um, And that is, I think, the takeaway is like the process that you already have or that you have access to. Let's say you know someone who has this machine or you have the machine. That is the product. And you're trying to figure out how to sell that product. And the design of the end thing that the user buys is subsequent to the process. And the process right. is what you're trying to sell. Right. Um, well, and I look at it in addition as a method of testing pro- like product viability. And coming mm-hmm. from the handmade side, this is like this is like a really sticky area, right? Because I'm used to like when I was learning, I was developing my skills and I was building a product. So my finished product was my hand labor. Mm-hmm. It's a, that's handmade, right? That's like the beauty of that process. Mm-hmm. The problem with that from a business standpoint is it's not scalable, right? Right. And like this really does get into semantics a little bit because obviously you can scale a handmade product, right? Mm-hmm. But where I'm at now, this is a much more relevant kind of topic than it would have been 10 years ago, because essentially a lot of the way that I feel like I have been looking at things that I make is as the end product Mm -hmm. and not actually caring as much about the efficiency of the processes that are going into it. 
when we started to talk about that, I realized I was like, oh, the concept that the process is the product kind of relates to consistency, right? Mm -hmm. For me, consistency is one of like the most important components of a successful business, right? Like you can do anything well once. And unless it's like picking up the right lottery ticket, like it's just not going to stick. It it's the, the processes and the methods that you can do repeatedly and consistently that really, I think lead to a certain type of success. Yeah. So for me, I've just been like, I've just been running like all of these kind of concepts, preconceived concepts of business craft making through this filter. And it's been super interesting. Um, Yeah. And and you touched on a point of like thinking of it as the process is the product also relates to quality. So it's not just like an economic question because your product is only as perfect as your process. Right. And if, you could have an imperfect, imperfect process that gives you a good product, but it's not going to be scalable. But if you have a perfect process or near perfect, it's kind of like perfect practice, practice makes perfect. Like the sports phrase, like if you have a good, a repeatable, reliable process that produces good quality, then the product will then be successful because of that. Right. And so if you're overly focused on the knife and not the process, then the overall ceiling for you is a lot lower on that, on that business side and on the quality right. side. You know right. what I mean? Well, and I think this, this plays into a couple areas too, because you're able to shift it from, okay, if we, if we use your manufacturing process currently as the process, okay, the, what you've developed in terms of producing a fixed blade knife with a sheath inside your shop, That is in a way the product, right? Because you're able to change out what the model is, but the process that you developed and the efficiency there allows you to go into the next knife, having like a really, really clear and definable kind of trajectory and goal. Yeah. And and in a sense, you're, you're selling the same process over again and and then you're selling the same product over again. Right. But you change the design, you change the application, you change the net use to like the end user, which is a functional value. It's not like you're trying to do smoke and mirrors. Right. And and that you're you're serving the customer by ha- giving them multiple knife options, but you're repackaging the same product, which is the same process. Right. Right. Um, right. And so if you if you have the process to sell, then the second part of the product is easier. Right. Like right. the knife itself, that that the part of designing it and and then executing becomes the smooth part that usually is the hard part if you have it backwards, if that makes right. sense. Right. Um, well, and you're, this is an interesting, this is an interesting process as it relates to, I think manufacturing, because we, we might be taking for granted the idea, like there is, there is some I'm trying to think how to like phrase this. Uh, I think there are, there are instances where developing the process with the product eliminates being overly efficient with a product that doesn't have a market. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So you're in kind of a unique position because you had visibility around your name and your work. 
So out of the gate, efficiency was actually really important. Now, Mm. not to say that starting a product efficiently is like ever a bad idea, but you might actually find it like, oh, well, I'm making more of this thing than I can sell, Mm. right? From a manufacturing standpoint. Another area that I'm kind of running through a filter with this is basic like cons. So say, say you take an evergreen product, like a, say like a morale patch or something, right? Mm -hmm. So you go through the process, you design the patch, you release the patch. Your process of bringing that to market, your timeline, your cost, the way you release it, and your that's OEM. what I'm, yeah, that's what I'm starting to kind of see as like, oh, that becomes the product. Even if it's an yeah. internal, like understanding of what we think of as the finished product, which is a patch, mm-hmm. it's like, it basically starts on a calendar. Mm-hmm. So the process of taking it from calendar to production internally becomes like the repeatable consistent manufacturable component. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's kind of heady. Like I let get me, it, but let, let me give you an example that I think is a great way to kind of bring this into perspective and make it a little less abstract. So if you're an, an OEM, let's say you bought two Haas CNC machines, put it in a shop and you're going to be a job shop, right? Let's say now you're shopping out for guys that are trying to get OEM work done. So a guy comes to you that wants handlebar mounts for a BMX bike and he wants you to machine out of aluminum. What are you selling him? You're selling him a process. And this is clear, right? That your product as that job shop is the process of machining that handlebar mount. And that's really easy to understand because it's like an OEM or job shop, they're selling processes to people that need processes. So the process is the product. If you decided to sell your own handlebar mounts for BMX bikes, now you're selling directly to the customer, but the process is still the product. Just because you're the one selling it to the customer, not a middleman, doesn't change the fact that the process was always the product. Right. You know what I mean? So it's like, it's easy to think when you're the one doing, like if you're Wee Knife or Ria and you're doing an OEM project, it's it's super clear to see, oh, my process of making the knife is the product that they're buying. Right. But once you sell to customers, I think your brain starts to flip and it, I don't think it should is the is the point I'm making that like it should always be that that process is the product. And again, the, the it becomes a little bit of a thought that like, you know, we're talking semantics, but I think we can dive into a number of reasons why, again, why it, it does make a difference in like in, in how you function. Um, and- I think, I think as it relates to us, I think there's a lot of industries that this, this might feel like just a given, right? It kind of mm-hmm. relates to efficiency. Like, you know, you have to be process minded. Like this is why there's process engineers, like all this stuff. We're talking about this, I think in relation to kind of the, the soul, entrepreneurial maker business, right? Which is we are wearing many, many hats Mm -hmm. and we don't always run things in the most efficient way. We don't always have the, the tribal knowledge of a business to be like, yeah, this is the way we do it. This is how we cost. This is how we, you know, Mm -hmm. are projecting. So 
I also and and I, and I also think it matters where you are coming into the industry. I think for for the guys that are coming in from the handmade side, this is a really interesting concept, right? Because mm-hmm. even even if you are like making a knife fully by hand, right, mm-hmm. so, or or any product. So say say I'm making a knife by hand. Okay, what what is my process? Okay, well my process is going to be I start with a rough sketch. Okay, I finalize my sketch. I take that sketch and maybe I make a, a Lexan template. That Lexan template is going to allow me to make, maybe I make one first prototype. I like that prototype, the Lexan I use to make a hardened steel drill template. Okay. Mm-hmm. From that point forward, I say, okay, I'm going to make a batch of 12 knives based on that steel pattern. Mm-hmm. That workflow then just repeats. That's your process. Okay. Mm-hmm. That happens and it goes into any product that I do. Mm -hmm. The extension of that is to say, okay, well, that's my first 12 process. After those 12 knives, that blank is going to be used for CAD to go to water jet. Mm -hmm. Now the water jet gets integrated into moving forward. And I, I just think it's a way of looking at your process constantly to not just be okay with, well, this is the way that I make things. It's kind of like a roadmap that you're able to use just to say, well, okay, this works at 12, but what if I want to do a hundred? Mm-hmm. Okay. Does a hundred work if you want to do 500? Right. It's a really interesting, uh, scaling tool because yeah. I think a lot of times people look at the end product and it just stops. Mm-hmm. It's a knife. Yeah. This is how and I then- make it. And then you try to back into it of like, this is what I want to make. I'm just going to, by any means necessary, make it. Right. And so the the focus is entirely on the knife, right. not on the process. It's like you back into the end product rather right. than creating the process. And then that leads you to your products, to your right. saleable products. Well, here, here's an example of, I think, where I'm I'm finding this most relevant for myself. I have always used CAD and CNC to get me to the point where I could make a knife, but the knife was always the focus Mm -hmm. over the last, I don't know, like year, especially when, when you and I kind of started doing some of the tutoring around CAD, um, I started to realize like, oh, my CAD process is, is really affecting my end result. And it's an, there's an inefficiency in there. And so Mm -hmm. the way that I've been looking at it lately is like, that is actually one of the most critical components of my product, because if I'm able to focus more on developing my skills around CAD and machining, it shortens almost every timeline during the design of the product as well as like the finishing of the product. Whereas before I was really happy to like, okay, I cut some parts and I basically start building a knife and like doing this handwork and just seeing like, oh, that's great. But if I want to design five things or I need to produce slightly more, the system starts to fall apart. Mm-hmm. So for me, it's like, okay, strengthening the skills around my product design is, is that missing component. That's the product that I'm missing. Yeah. 
Yeah, it's a it's it's where it's where your product is lacking, and so right. when when someone comes to purchase, it's why you don't have enough of them. Exactly. You know it, and so uh, another example that's I think dead on for this is like so the Model T Ford, right? is looked at as like the the product of the industrial revolution like it's the most stereotypical industrial right. revolution product. Henry Ford's product was not the Model T. Henry Ford's product was the assembly line. Right. The process is the product. If he yeah, had you been swap making... out the Model T for an airplane. Yep. The assembly line the the assembly line yeah. is the critical component yeah, that's to the, the product. end product. So in World War 2 the government got a hold of Ford and they said, we need airplanes yesterday. Why did they come to him? Because he had the product that they wanted to buy, which is the assembly line. So it didn't matter if it was an airplane or a car, he was selling a product that was the assembly line and he, it could be a plane. It could be a car. It could be a boat. It could be a truck. It could be a SUV. It could be, you know what I mean? So it's like the assembly line is the product he created and there's other people that were making cars before him, but they didn't have a product like he did. They didn't have that assembly line. Right. And so as a modern day, uh, you know, manufacturing guy, what I'm trying to do, obviously the assembly line's already been invented, but to be, to have an advantage in this economy, I want to have a product like the assembly line, but in the 22nd, 21st century. You know what I mean? As it relates to your product. Yeah. What is that? And so that's like. To like fire drill this, check this out. So we, we had had a conversation a while back about production versus prototype mindset. Mm -hmm. Okay. So say that, and this is actually pretty realistic. Say you are the embodiment of production mindset right now. And I am trying to embody prototype mindset. Mm Mm-hmm. This concept works equally well for both of us mm-hmm. because that process driven product for me looks different, but the steps to get there, like for me, okay, if I'm doing prototyping, my process to prototype a new product is more important than that end product. Yeah, exactly. In the long, over a long timeline. Yeah. Right. Cause you're not just trying to do it once you want to do this. Right. I don't want, yeah, I don't want to design one thing and be done. So let's frame this as, as it relates to us doing factory design. So new maker comes to me and they're like, Hey, how do I do well designing for a factory? Right. The first thing I always tell them is be consistent. Mm -hmm. So what is consistent? It might be two models a year, five models a year, Mm -hmm. but over 10 years, if you hit those two to five models and those two to five models expand into SKUs because that's part of your process also. At the end of 10 years, it's just like any other type of investing, right? Mm-hmm. Where we get real far into the weeds is that we have so many little things that we're trying to pay attention to from the standpoint of where the manufacturer, where the designer, where the brand where the, you know, like the, the visual art, like there's so many components. This I think actually takes a lot of pressure and guesswork out of the overall, um, kind of ecosystem of your business. Mm-hmm. Cause yeah. you run each element through it and it gives you kind of a roadmap for mm-hmm. like, okay, it doesn't, it's not even about like, you could be, you'd be like, 
the most arty artiste and still be able to run your, your process through this and be like, cool, I don't want any automation. I don't want any production. You still, you're, you're still probably wanting to produce yourself. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. Man, it's so, there's so much meat on it. For your, for your perspective, imagine if you had, imagine if a company made a machine where you typed in, this is my target audience, quick description. This is the blade length I'm looking for. If you could put in like five parameters Mm -hmm. and it would just print out a template of a knife that would fit those parameters and fit that target audience. Right. That machine would be a killer product, right? Right. Because CRKT would want one. Kershaw sure. would want one. Benchmade yep. would want one. That's your process. So right. that's the product that you're selling them is that you are that machine to right. them, you know? And so it's, it's not that the thing that gets printed out is the product. It's the machine. That's the product. You know what I mean? Exactly. And so Man. think so, of okay, your so process it, like that machine and the better it is, the better, the better it is. Right. And it, yeah. and it's, this is all about cons for me. The biggest thing is, is the consistency. I see this as a method for looking at your own processes critically, mm-hmm. like not, not even like judgmentally, just being able to look at them and go, okay, what, what it does this scale. If that's a critical component, is this Mm -hmm. repeatable? Is this like, can I do this over a long timeline? Mm -hmm. Um, and man, I, we, (laughs) we spent so much time on it that it just like, it keeps popping up Mm -hmm. in everyday thought. And I'm like, huh, it doesn't matter if like thinking about it from a marketing standpoint, you're like, I, I think people know this probably like I take, I've taken a lot of inspiration from my business over like how streetwear has been handled. Right. That's Mm -hmm. like drop culture. That's, that's a process. Mm -hmm. The process of the drop is a product. Yep. Exactly. Yeah. And it, and it, and it, it's that product that has people showing up because if, if the Cypop, if it didn't have the product sphere around it of this process, if it was just like, if one just popped up on eBay and you had never existed and no one knew what it was and there was no draw and no one understood. Yeah. People would buy it. They would think it was interesting, but it, it wouldn't have the traction because the product that precedes it, which is the whole sphere of influence is it matters. You know, it is a product. Um, I also see, I see a, a side effect of this that I don't know a way to prove this, but it's something that I I feel I've seen over the years, which is if you have a successful, you know, physical product or concept, like eventually it will be knocked off. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, more visibility, more eyes, higher chance it gets knocked off. Mm-hmm. I think that the more, the more flushed out your process is, the more engaged the audience is the less of a risk that becomes a perfect example. Chris Reeve knives. Yeah. They, they give shop tours. A lot of shops in their position would not, would not. And the, the phrase that I've heard him say is we can show them how to do it, but they still have to do the work. Still have you know to do I mean? the work. Yep. And, and, and then the you point, still, you don't get the, you don't get the story. Exactly. And the, the, the point being is like, they know that the product is, is Chris Reeve knives. Like the product is this shop. The product are these people. The product is this brand. Yep. 
And just because you copy the knife doesn't mean you have their product because right. the product preceded the knife. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so they have a product, which is a brand, a business, a, a way of manufacturing things, a labor force, an institutional like tribal knowledge. All of this is their, the product. their relationships, their networks. These are all things that you can run through this same filter, mm-hmm. right? Like, hey, I, if I'm dealing with if I'm dealing with a a business relationship or I'm dealing with a new a new distributor or a customer. Do you think a good relationship or like a negative relationship is going to play out better in the long run? Right. Right. Mm -hmm. It's a process. So you have 30 years of, of relationships. That is, that is a process. You're like, Hey, we just, we're honest and we work well with, with other businesses. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. That plays. And, and another, another kind of functional thing is like when, when I think about applying this and actually using it, you know, executing on this thought. Um, I, I kind of think back to that comb and I think, okay, if I'm trying to, ex- if I'm trying to start a business, a new one or expand my current business or do anything, the first thing I do is make a list mentally of the processes that are available to me. And just like with the comb, what is the, what is the, what is the purchaser? What is a customer going to buy that is going to serve them? That is a, that this process that I have can create. And it's like, I think it's, a. I think some people they get, I I know, I understand the like addiction and drive to make a knife, but I would caution some people and say, if you don't have the processes yet to be able to pull it off, do something that your processes already lend themselves to, because that's the product you have to sell. You don't, if you don't have the ability to do this high level thing, like let's say a folding Damascus, all this other stuff, you have to sell the product that you have and you can go crazy, but you're as a, from a business standpoint, you're going to do best selling the process that you have. Right. And even if it's not from business, I think from a development standpoint, you have the ability to cross the divide in like, say from making or like my, my situation right now is I would like to go into fusion and I would like to design my next folder. Mm -hmm. The problem is I'm not fluid enough with fusion, but I can go in and I can design a pry Mm -hmm. bar. I am much better off designing a pry bar, modeling it and running the cam fixturing and running it on my machine. than I, than I am spending three months trying to develop a folder as the first product that I release. Right. This is a scalable concept, right? Which Mm -hmm. is like, do the work available to you and use that as an evolutionary. Yep like process as opposed to like a revolutionary process. Yeah. Yeah. Sell the process that you have and then acquire more processes. Right. And if you, and a lot of people go the other way around and that's, I think the stumbling block is like sell the pro and for an example, for me, like I said, I sold the comb. I eventually could afford a CNC. I added that. Now I can sell a knife, But but I haven't started selling folders because I don't feel like I own the process that's saleable to be selling folders. Right. You know what I mean? So it's like, I, I have to own the process first. You can't sell the product and back into the process. Like it, it you can, but it's you not can. like, it's not the best way to do it. In my opinion is, is the gist. That's the, that's the thing that's crazy. I think about small scale businesses in general is that I always joke. I'm like, 
I'm really lucky that I started when I did and I didn't know any better because I just did it. Mm -hmm. I didn't know that you couldn't make any money and I didn't know that I didn't have the right tools. I didn't know that I didn't have enough skills. I didn't know that nobody was going to want it. I didn't know any of those things. So Mm -hmm. I just did it. Mm -hmm. And, And I think that like there's, there's so many areas where you can do this and like, a lot of times it works out where I think you and I are both at is we're starting to see some things that essentially can shorten the curve. Yeah. Which is pretty cool. There's the brute force way to do it. And then there's the like kind of intellectual way to do it. And the brute force way would be like, okay, the first product you want to bring to market is a titanium frame lock with the lock bar insert with Sanmai Damascus made in house. And so the amount of processes you have to develop to get it to market is enormous right out the gate. And it's like, you probably end up in a lot of debt because you have to buy a bunch of (laughs) machines. You know what I mean? Like it, it, and then you can, at the end of the day, maybe everyone wants the knife and you sell it and then you pay off all the debt and then you're, you're float, you're going, you're moving. But if you had started with the processes you have, maybe, maybe all it is, is, you know, CAD, that's a product like that's, I lived off that for a long time, selling my CAD ability as a product. Right. And maybe that's the only thing you've got until you can add one more layer. And then you have another product to sell, another layer, another product to sell. And eventually what the cu- customer is buying is going to materialize into a more and more complex purchase, right? It's right. Gonna, and they're going to evolve. They're going to evolve with your pricing, yeah. your product. You, yeah. you and I also share something, I think, inside of the industry which is overall the knife industry is, I I believe still a hobby led industry. Mm -hmm. Okay. When I started, I didn't start it as a hobby. I started it because I was looking for a way to build a career Mm -hmm. around something that I enjoyed doing. I think the same is true for you. Mm -hmm. Right. So I think this, some of this stuff is, you know, if you're a hobbyist and you just want to like go to the shop and mess around, there's a point where, yeah, this, this may not, be important. Mm -hmm. But as far as far as like developing a business around a craft or a product, I think it's pretty handy. Yeah. 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 It's yeah. The, I, I just, I love business and I love manufacturing and I love making things. And I would still be, if I was working for a company that didn't like a, a normal day job and I wasn't making anything, I would still be doing this on the side in some capacity. Yeah. Albeit in a smaller scale. Right. Um, but for me, the the combination, like the marriage of business and craftsmanship and having them work together is awesome. And like they just they need each other. You know what I mean? That's like totally. how I see it. And so uh because like for example, if you think of a amazing knife or whatever it is you're trying to sell. And you do it, like I mentioned, where you you don't really have the business concept in mind, but you're just going to like moonshot. You're just going to head for this advanced product right out the gate. Like if it results in you not being in business anymore, then the vision of that product may have been the guiding light. But if you end up not making any knives because of this wrong approach, then you're behind the vision of making things at all. You know what I mean? So it's like you're better off making something that you can make in a business viable way than to make something not business viable temporarily and then fail. If you're, if a maker is what you really want to be, you know? Yeah. Some of the, some of this too is, 
is secure. Yeah, I guess it's security of the long term as it relates to you staying involved. You know, a weird area where I feel like I've seen this inside the knife industry is at like in Atlanta over the years. I've seen probably three or four times a table with someone behind it with a very cool mechanism. But the product that it is in is so rough and unrefined that the, the mechanism is like almost invisible to me. Mm -hmm. That is, that is like a prime example of like the concept. And you're like, I'm going to take this concept and I'm going to build a finished product, except you actually don't have the skill set or the resources to build the finished product. Mm -hmm. And then you take it to a trade show. Right. And if, I, and if I would love, I'm sure somebody will have a case study where they can prove me wrong on this. Like, obviously people do this. Like you can go and spend your 10 years and be an overnight success. But I'm just saying like kind of base level standard, you know, you are the rule and not the exception. Mm-hmm. I think this plays in yeah. a pretty big way. Yeah, for sure. For sure. And like, if you, it, the other the other thing here is like if you wanted to hire someone to make it, like yes, a wee knife or a riot or a millet or a whoever, you know, if you were going to hire someone to make it, you're buying their product, right? And this this is another layer I want to bring into this that I've been, I haven't brought up to you, but I it kind of I'm still working on it, but we can work on it together, I guess. Any business one on one course is going to tell you for a business you need a product and you need a way to sell it. That's like just generic rule number one of starting a business, right? You got to have both. So we've decided in this, you know, recently that the product that you're trying to sell is your process. Okay. And then now we're talking about, you mentioned earlier, a way to sell it, right? I would almost argue that the design of the, whatever it is, whether it's a mechanism or a shape or a color or a whatever, that's a way to sell it. And so you have the two spheres of the product, which is the process. And then you have the sphere of a way to sell it. So if you look at a Wii knife or a Riot, they have the product, which is the process. But the design is open-ended. And so they often have designers or companies purchasing that are OE- that are trying to get OEM work. They're the ones coming up with a way to sell it. And the design is in that sphere. Right. Does that make sense? And so, and that's where I look at it of like, when I get my product finished, I haven't even started designing yet. So my product is finished when my process is finished. And then I start thinking about a way to sell it. And if I think about, is it a knife? Is it a pry bar? Is it a digging tool? Is it, what, what is it? You know what I mean? Like that part is the, a way to sell it category. And so if you look at your relationship as a designer with like CRKT, they have the process and the product. Right. Even if they don't, it doesn't have a shape, it doesn't have a color, a texture, right. they don't know what it right. is. We feed in, they, we feed in our concept, our visuals yeah. into their machine that takes the design, mm-hmm. runs it through production, runs it through the way that they are handling their sales and marketing mm-hmm. to the end consumer. Yeah. So we are helping them in the a way to sell it category. And if you look at someone like Benchmade, for example, they have a product 
which is their process, right? Which involves the axis lock heavily. That is so strong in selling itself because it's American made that they have a very low requirement on this on the design side. So they don't really work with a whole lot of designers on the outside. All because well, not all, but because they're a way to sell it category, they don't it's it's not as it doesn't need to be as robust because the product sells itself so well. Right. And so, you know what I mean? That and that and that like different companies have different weights on the process and the a way to sell it category and different balances. And that's where I'm, I'm, I think about that. And I'm like, you can have a product without having ever designed anything is the, is the overall gist fully. Interesting. Okay. So here's, here's a, here's a question. Is this concept much more important when you are in a growth phase or does it still hold if you are in like steady holding pattern, you are making a product that is the same product. You are not actively trying to develop or I guess b- like branch out from it. So you're Apple. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Apple's I'm trying. Well, yeah, as I'm saying it, I'm trying to like think of like yeah. who, who would fit into yeah. that. Like the, like someone- the ideal, it would be like a single product where the only product you were making, you're like, okay, this is it. This is what we do. Mm-hmm. This is the product. So I don't know who that is. Yeah. I mean, there's probably manufacturers <laughs> that make like wood screws and fasteners that totally. haven't changed it in 30 years. Right. And they just so is this, is this, is this relevant to them? It becomes, it probably becomes very like macro. Well, their, their process of making those, like, let's say it is fittings, brass fittings for plumbing and right. they, they're not changing cause it's a standard thing. Their, their process is the product. Right. In that the process is the forging and the machining and the fitment of these fittings. And the fittings are ancillary to the product. And yeah, I mean, I think it applies, right? I mean, because what they're selling is if, if someone were to devise or need something different that is uses the same process, they would do that as well, which they probably do. Man, yeah. I'll tell you, you, you kind of called it out when you mentioned like the OEM manufacturers. This, this is super relevant to them. Like if someone came to me and was like, Hey, make this knife, it would be the most inefficient project, right? Like I would Mm -hmm. make a knife the way I make a knife. You would be a drastic step up, right? Be like, okay, cool. It's a fixed blade. I have this process. I can do this thing scalable. So when I've had employees in the past, this is small job shop that relies heavily on hand skills. So I'm having to teach how to see and how to actually accomplish whatever technique we're trying to do. Whereas in a more uniform process, it, the, the jobs become, it's a more kind of definable task. You're like, Oh, stone this blade. Mm -hmm. Right. And here's another thing. I think maybe we're leaning towards describing this as a business and like scalability proposition yeah. but on the other hand let's say you're like a kyle royer who makes unbelievable knives like we're talking right. the opposite of of right. efficiency we're talking one off one absolutely mind-blowing crazy design custom damascus right as um, much time as you can spend yeah m- peak man hours in a knife that you'll probably see the product is still his process because they're 
a customer is buying his hours, they're buying his time and his and, and his knowledge and his know-how in the form of a knife. Right. So they're buying a piece of him, right? And so if you're if you're trying to sell something, a product that is your process, some customers want to buy a piece of you and your handwork and your man hours, and that's what they're interested in. And that product is of value to them. But if you're someone who's going to buy like a Benchmade, you want a functional product that's efficient. So you're going to buy a process that lends itself to what you're looking for. You know what I mean? So I would argue that the process being the product, it doesn't break down when you go into craftsmanship. Right. Because the customer is looking for that product. If that knife that Kyle Royer made was made fully uh, automated, those customers would probably be less interested in it because it's not the same product they're looking for. Even if there's it's the okay, same knife. this is I totally agree. I think we're getting way off into the weeds on this one, which is mm-hmm. great. Right. Um, okay, so to to balance that one, if we use we, mm-hmm. I actually I think there's been a huge shift in the industry, which is I think at this point people the like say the pro the the way or, or we's process in relation to the quality of product they produce has opened up an entire sphere of of collector that is like oh we really do care about the quality and the presentation the the manufacturing is transparent people know where it's made and i think 15 years ago, it wouldn't have been the same way. So I think Mm -hmm. the process of releasing the product, showing how high quality they are, um, working with designers, that process that they, they kind of like, they they didn't originate it, right? Like that's Mm -hmm. not, but they, they started to open some doors. Yeah. It, there's been a a cultural shift. So you're like, all of a sudden there's actually like a new process product, like, it's, it was it, it's like the product being the the process being the product was always there but right. it, it's only recently that companies have been illuminating that fact right. to the customer right in a sense you know yeah. well it's and i don't know why recently i was thinking about um albion armory do you know who they are do you know mm-hmm. the name okay mm-hmm. so like basically have you seen conan conan the conan the barbarian uh, the new one no or the old oh, one, the, the old one, 1982. Uh, Schwar- okay. Schwarzenegger, Schwarzenegger. Okay, Sword of the Father. Okay, yeah. that is Jody Sampson and basically Albion Armory. So it's like they were doing, they were doing movie pieces, and like I don't know all the details to this, but essentially that was a small shop with multiple people working. I, I believe under Jody Sampson. Mm-hmm. producing product did I think so this is that idea of like the like the say the higher art or like guys who are swordsmiths and doing this stuff and I think in that time period I think Albion did the same thing which was they were producing the quality but they were producing numbers and I think people were like oh this is amazing mm-hmm. right so in that in that concept of like oh it's sole source made by a person the next step is like, oh, this is really cool. It's made by multiple people, but the end product is amazing. I think as craftsmen, it can be really easy to worry about how you make things 
what we think, like what I think of as making a knife, how I think of it making. Um, and I think it's good to kind of reevaluate that throughout your career. Mm-hmm. Um, otherwise it's really easy to become super judgmental of new, mm-hmm. new trends in an industry, new techniques, new tools, um, mm-hmm. processes just in general. Yeah. Right? yeah. 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 It's, it's important to remember what is your product that you're selling. And that is what is your process because it can change over time and it, it can get away from you if you're only worried about what it, what the the physical object you're putting in your customer's hand is not the only is not the only product. You know putting what I mean? Putting the wrong emphasis on the wrong syllable. Am I? No. Oh. But in general, oh, if you're only saying. looking, <laughs> I see you're saying. I was like, wait, what did I mispronounce? <laughs> no. Yeah. If you're only looking at the product and being like, this is rad. Because it because if that's all you're doing, right? Then why aren't why isn't we making? Almost every knife, <laughs> you know what I mean? Because right. like, here's a weird. Here's a weird question for you. How many times in this episode do you think we've said the process is the product? Oh, I don't know. It's a good question. <laughs> it could be a drinking game. I mean, <sighs> man, that's true. But but if you if you had, let's say, we or Riot make your customs and you sold them as customs, right? There'd be a little bit of an issue there, right? It, right. it would be. Because that's not what people are trying to buy. Right. But it's proof that the the knife isn't the only thing they're buying. No. You know what I mean? Because if they made the exact same knife, people wouldn't want it in the way that they want your custom. Well, we, and we actually have thing. historical context yeah. for just this, mm-hmm. which was 15 years ago as some of the Asian manufacturers were starting to be accessible by U.S. makers. There were makers and even more recent that went to China, had a knife produced and either presented it as a custom or had parts produced and then assembled and presented it as customs. And I think that that is a big part of why initially people frowned on overseas manufacturing inside of the knife market. Whereas as soon as it become became transparent, all of a sudden you're just like, oh, it's just actually a rad shop doing really mm-hmm. good work. Yeah. Then because you understand and are able to make a judgment based on the actual information. Yep. Yep. They know yeah. what process they're buying. Right. That's what Yeah. And that, it'll be interesting that, to see how it plays out over the next five to ten years. Like I see more and more, you know, collections that are built completely out of really high-end overseas knives. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I love it. I think it's great. I think it's good competition. I think it keeps people mm-hmm. honest, you know, conversations about like us manufacturing aside for me, I look at the knife industry and I just think like, man, the, the, the way that it's expanded and has become more inclusive is nothing but good. Yeah. No, more, competitive, more competitive, more sure. competitive, sometimes sure. kind of scary, but like, yeah. That I think is good. And I think it keeps us honest too, which is yeah. like, you can't just like sit back and be like, oh yeah, I'm good. Like, yeah. And you have to reevaluate. And and it, another point is like each form of knife, each business model, each strategy, each country of origin ha- like fits a niche. It fits a, a reason, a direction, a customer, a purpose. You know what I mean? And so part of it is like, figure out where you're at and what to lean into. You know what I mean? It's like, what are the play to the, if you're trying to make American made knives, lean into the strengths 
of right. American-made knives. If you're trying to get a, an overseas OEM, lean into those strengths. You know what I yeah, mean? Yeah, be able to explain so, it. Yeah, and so there's like there's some there's some ways of organizing things. Like for example, right now, like I think um, again, I'll say it: the the product being the process is almost the most true right now for American-made knives. Because mm-hmm. people are so interested in buying American made, and in reality, there's just not that many of them, that strictly the fact that the process is American makes people want to buy that product. You know what I mean? And so it's like there's there's a selling point that comes all the way from the process side of things. And it's the same case for we or Riot or any other company that makes these high-end knives. Like they drive sales because of their process, right? Right. And so, but American made is is also a driver. You know what I mean? So it's like having your process drive sales is what my business model is. You know what I mean? Right. Um, it's kind of the gist of the whole conversation in a sense. And so, um, yeah, transparency is what you need transparency to have that, you know, people need to know what they're looking at. What do you, how are you making it? You know? pretty fun man mm-hmm. this one <laughs> it, it feels like it's really easy just to kind of like roll on and on about it mm-hmm. but in the in like in the context of us hanging out in salt lake you have conversations like this where something it like a missing piece is put into place or something is illuminated who knows maybe maybe five people do we have five people listening to the podcast yet Maybe one person, (laughs) maybe, maybe two people hear this and they, they actually click with the concept and they're able to frame it in what they're doing. I never know, but it's like, we'll, we'll have these conversations and I'm like, damn, how did, how, like, how have I made it 20 years without like seeing that same exact feeling that I had around maker versus manager or it's like a light bulb goes off. Or I wonder like, is the way I'm looking at it totally wrong. And somebody's listening that can correct that. Totally. Well, and some of this is probably relative. I would say that it's not wrong for where we're at now. Mm-hmm. Right. Could it be wrong in 10 years? I think we're going to probably see, hopefully. Yeah. Let me say this. We talked before the podcast. I did have one thought about looking at it, your product and your process this way. And one possible weakness or blindside or failing of this, if you are overly subscribed to this idea, is that if if you have a process, let's say you own injection molding equipment and you just want to make a lot of injection molded parts, it's easy to make things that the world doesn't need, even though they sell. Hmm. And so in the in the effort to sell your process, I want to be to sell my process. I want to make sure that I I'm still selling things that people that that improve the world that actually are are they not just because they sell, they actually improve the world and they're better and I'm not selling things that people don't need that are irrelevant. You know what I mean? And so it's like that's where I think you can get if you get overly like if you're a massive corporation and you have a process that you're trying to sell if all you're trying to do is sell that process, you can end up flooding markets with things that aren't of real value. They're like either right. disposable or value just is like, subjective. This is tricky. Yeah. Cause like we, yeah. you know, you look at a knife and you're like, 
at the point that we're selling knives, nobody needs the product, mm-hmm. right? It's essentially at any level of custom or high-end manufacturing, it is a luxury. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think, but I think that's also a really good thing for us to look at, mm-hmm. you know, as kind of just something to like to internalize. For me, it creates gratitude because I realize, like, hey, it happens to be that I like to make this mm-hmm. thing. Mm-hmm. I'm very fortunate there that there is an audience that appreciates this thing. Yeah. Even though it's not a loaf of bread. Right. Right. Like mm-hmm. I'm sure, yeah. I'm sure it falls apart. I'm sure there's areas where this, this kind of falls apart. Um, anytime, anytime I hear an argument, I try and not be instantly combative to it. So mm-hmm. I try to look at it and figure out like what is right with the argument um, before I try to shut it down. So an example, I guess of an unethical way to, to use the process as a product mentality is like corn is a process that's really expandable, like growing corn. Okay. And so then the, you know, conglomerations or Monsanto or whoever you want to talk about, they're trying to figure out ways to sell corn because that's the process they have. Right. Just like I talked, which is good business sound strategy. Sure. So then we end up with like high fructose corn syrup and everything. Right. Th- that's what I'm talking about. Of like, you can force something into selling, even though you, that process shouldn't be sold in that way. But we're it, getting really deep now. Yeah, but I'm, I'm just trying <laughs> I, to say I like, fully, no, I know, I you, fully get it. You can have an ethics blind spot if all you're trying to do is sell your process and you you don't care about what the product is. Right. You know what I mean? So you still have to care about what the product is. Right. Well, it, okay. We, we can also look at this from, okay. Process of the product. Every time I sell a poly, I put it in a plastic bag. Okay. I, I'm trying to do that less. So I'm mm-hmm. looking for packaging that doesn't just involve me putting product in a plastic bag. Mm-hmm. So this is twofold, right? I'm selling enough of them that I realize that just more like, plastic trash is actually not something I want to do. Okay. Mm-hmm. It also doesn't represent the product. It's from a time period where that was kind of the resource that I had. And that was the way a lot of product was kind of sold. Like you put it in the plastic bag and you mm-hmm. put the product card in it and you take it to the show. Mm-hmm. I have to look at that now through this lens of the process being the end product and being like, okay, how can I improve that? Mm-hmm. You know? So I think, I think yeah. it plays, this is, this is an expandable concept that you can get pretty abstract with. Mm-hmm. I'm sure it relates to a lot of facets of life. Um, like look at your diet, what you put in your body is like what you get out. It's like a simple, simple concept, right? Mm -hmm. I think for me, sometimes simple concepts reframed feel like very revolutionary and you know, they probably are in that context because it Mm -hmm. sometimes reframing it is what allows you to see the value in something. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Access to the product. Yeah. I want that on auto tune. Right. And Dude, a t-shirt. So we do a remix of this. Yeah. <laughs> just sound, sound, just so I don't know. the whole thing. I don't know. I feel like, okay. I feel like we have made our argument or 
at least an explanation of something that we spent probably way too much time <laughs> talking about, <laughs> um, like a couple of schoolgirls at one o'clock in the morning. <laughs> yeah, right. Here's, you know, I wanted to, I wanted to touch on something else that these conversations, they're, they're so fun, like to have on the pod equally satisfying when you're like having dinner and, you know, walking around a knife show. We did something super fun at blade that I think I wanted to touch on, which is the idea of kind we both looked at each other's process and tried to find a hole in it. Mm -hmm. Right. So I think for me, you had said we're, we're with what I'm doing, the way that I'm running my business, you saw kind of a weakness was my inability to, how did you phrase it? Do you remember? Uh, I think it was basically like you have so much on your plate that you are divvying up like almost on a weekly basis, the allocation of time to deal with those things. Right. But I think some of those things require a longer stint of time for it to be effective. Like maybe right. I set a whole month aside for one thing. Right. Rather than like one hour a day on that. So thing. it's like, right. So I'm trying, yeah, I'm trying to like pick it that what I forget what the, what the analogy is of like an elephant, but you know, essentially yeah. like I'm trying to like pick at something huge in yeah. an hour a day and it's not working. So, so my agreement on that was essentially after I do the Kentucky knife show, I'm basically going to dedicate all of December to like a deep dive on fusion and developing a new model based mm. around a lot of the things that kind of you and I have been working on and like the skills that you've been helping me improve. Mm -hmm. And then what I had for you was essentially that I wanted, like the, I think you could have like some more diversification right. of mm -hmm. passive income product. Yeah. Right. Like, Cause right now you're sole, primarily sole, sole product. Yeah. Output. Like to kind of, do a callback, like to do more of the how to sell it sphere. Right. Which is things like working more with CRKT, working with expanding. Well, in that component, that you actually have really have, right? You have, you have the design component, which essentially is passive income. Mm -hmm. You don't have passive product in your own line yeah. at this point. Yeah. So how, what does that look like? It looks like either an OEM project or, mm -hmm starting to, to do a little bit more merch or it was just, you know, just kind of an overview. What I loved about that is it's actually kind of scary to, to, to ask someone to be like, Hey, yeah. where, yeah. where do you see, where do you see a weakness? What are my flaws as a, what are the, as a business what are the flaws? Has to be a high level of trust, but I would highly recommend that if you're listening to this and you're maker and you have a good maker friend, play the game. It's and pretty, it's pretty fun. I think, I think the reason we did that is we were talking, we would go to a, you know, we were, we were rooming together at Blade Show West and we're always thinking about like all these brands and we're yeah. like, if this brand just had this, they would be so successful. And if this right. brand was ju just one thing, yeah. just did this. Nailing and then it I, here, I, missing it here. We're sitting there realizing like, we haven't told that to each other. Right. And so it's like, you know what I mean? We should look at each other and say, what if your brand just had this? Right. And and it, it's like, that's a really easy thing. I, I like hearing that. It's palatable, but no one asks. Right. And so it's like I we both, I think, walked away thinking like we should ask everybody we trust 
what's that little thing that you can just look right at my business and I trust you to tell me what you can, you can probably see something I can't. What is it? You know? Yeah. And are you instantly like defensive to that response? Yeah. Does it sting a little bit? Like it's not all going to be relevant, right? Because Mm -hmm. we have different like goals, different desires, all that stuff. But, but I just think as a kind of a thought exercise, it's just a, it's just a really fun process to do, you know? Yeah. Look at something from outside of like your own vacuum. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So that's all I got, man. Um, I'm really glad we're back recording a little bit. This was fun. Well, I I hope this one was a zinger. This is a topic (laughs) I really was excited about. So hopefully we, we made people happy if they were waiting, you know, on the edge of their chair for this release and hopefully it, it met expectations. So. Uh, I would love, if you guys got questions on this or thoughts or, you know, want to poke holes in the, in the kind of concept, um, yeah. please do. This is if the open, process open is not dialogue. the product, fight me. <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah. Uh, man, cool. Uh, thanks for listening guys. Please leave us a review, share the pod. Um, and we will talk at you soon. Yeah, thanks guys. Have a good uh, one.